0: This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to episode 25 of the Animaniacast.
1: May I introduce my assistants, Dr. Wacko and number one sister. We'll investigate, collaborate, red herrings, we'll eliminate, we'll solve this mystery for you, although we haven't got a clue.
0: Yeah, welcome once again to the AnimaniCast, We are a podcast that is dedicated to the animated television series, The Animaniacs, and each and every week we discuss a new episode in the order in which it was first released, and we discuss all the cultural references, all the gags, and all the jokes, and all the various things that make us think of other things. Uh, And in the end, we give each and every episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again is my brother Nathan, I like turtles, (laughs) and across the country in Georgia, it is Kelly. Hello. Hello. Okay. Well, folks, we have a a pretty good episode right here for our our quarter way through of the run of Animaniacs Mm -hmm. already. Can you believe it? 25% done. 25% of the way through Animaniacs. Amazing. So we have Disaster Peace Theater as our cold opening. Uh, we have Hercule Yako. Uh, we have Home of Home, sorry, Home on Denial. And then finally a midsummer night's dream kind of a wrap up segment right there. Um I don't know guys what do you think? Kelly in a few words what could you say about this episode?
2: I liked it okay. I thought it was it was clever and uh I liked the I really liked the Hercule Yecko because it brought in a lot of I I guess they, almost all the characters um in the series so far it was kind of really a Uh, who's who of all the the characters that we've seen and uh yeah i just thought overall it was a good episode
0: yeah i haven't thought about that way that really did incorporate almost all the characters Yeah, it was a good crossover episode and uh nathan what about you
3: um i I enjoyed it i thought there was uh kind of a literature rich almost uh cleopatra's and jane austen's Hmm. and uh, Shakespearean, kind of. Not Jane Austen, it would be Agatha Christie. <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah, one, like very yes. one of those novelists. One of those novelists. I never read any of them, but <laughs> I didn't need to because I saw The Animaniacs. <laughs> there you go.
0: Well, let's go ahead and start off with this very Urbaney because, of course, the, the intro was How Urbaney. How Urbaney! And we had a very Urbaney uh, cold opening right here with. Disaster Peace Theatre
1: Good evening, I'm Yako Warner, and I welcome you to Disaster Peace Theater.
0: Yakko is introducing kind of the, the whole disaster which is the Animaniacs. Uh, and a lot of horrible things go wrong. Number you know, you know number one is Godzilla rips off the the building, mm-hmm. like roof, and makes a good Godzilla scream, and he's smoking a pipe with bubbles and stuff like that. A cute little thing. Uh, do you, you know, Kelly? Have, do you remember seeing the classic masterpiece theater, which this was parroting, which would I guess was on PBS and stuff? Do you ever no, watch any I, of
2: those? I remembered uh, Cookie Monster being Alistair Cookie. Yes, and. Doing a parody of Masterpiece Theater, but I always thought Masterpiece Theater was something that only old people watched. Yes, I, um, I probably tried. My granny watched it, but then I now I realize cool stuff like Downton Abbey and Mister Selfridge come on Masterpiece Theater. So yes. I shouldn't have been so judgy. Good evening and welcome to Monsterpiece Theater. Me, your host, Alastair Cookie. Tonight, Monsterpiece Theater proud to present classic play, The Taming of the Shoe, by William Shakespeare,
1: famous podiatrist. Trust me. And now, The Taming of the Shoe. Oh, shoe, shoe. Wherefore art thou shoe? Oh, there you are. Methinks I will put you on and walk to the Padua Mall. Unhand me, Grovero. Oh, what a shoe you are!
0: Some of the best written um, Sesame Street segments are those monster piece theaters because they're referencing pieces of literature that, gosh, you know, kids obviously would have no knowledge of, but they're they're basically speaking right to the parents and uh even more importantly, like the PBS donors. <laughs> Which hmm. I could show those. I think they used to show some of those Monsterpiece the theater segments of Sesame Street uh in the in the pledge drives to show you like, see culture <laughs> 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 This is what kids see. <laughs> uh the one I was familiar with of parroting a uh, Masterpiece Theater wasn't just monster piece Theater, but as, actually Masterpiece Theater, which was on the old Disney Channel in the the nineteen eighties and stuff. I don't. That was that that I liked quite a bit. That was a
2: my my mom wouldn't pay for Disney Channel in the eighties, so I I didn't have it then. <music>
4: Here we are again at Mouse to Peace Theater. We scholars and administrators here at Mouse to Peace Theater have often discussed among ourselves the amazing breadth of character of Donald Duck. A split personality is a familiar if glib way of discussing certain troubled cases. In the case of the duck, the personality is not so much split as shredded. We have a vivid demonstration of the war within the duck psyche in the upcoming therapeutic study. Duck here takes on the unfamiliar role of a schoolboy and is stopped on the way to school, by one of his other selves. The only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it, says our mentor Oscar Wilde, and soon enough the duck is off fishing. Ah, but the duck's evil self is soon engaged in a war to the death within the duck's tormented soul with his better self. The battle of the centuries, we know the duck. Now some might even say the fight was fixed. A lot of late money wagered in Las Vegas on the outcome. So we will leave it to our viewers to determine whether in fact one of the selves took a dive. It looks pretty fishy to me. So stay your hand from the dial. I will turn you over to the duck in Donald's better self.
0: I think I owe some of my appreciation of animation to that that show uh, because I, I got this uh, deeper understanding of, like, what Goofy is, like as as a as a symbol uh for humans and uh just a more of appreciation of of the animation style itself. So it was a really hmm. kind of a cool uh segment. Cool thing right there. So anyway, disaster Peace theater, nice little quick segment right there. But a yeah, um, um, much better opener than New Zero of the Stars. Yes. <laughs> now Nathan, before we go any further, I gotta ask you, when was this episode first premiered? Well, Joey. I'm surprised you
3: don't remember it because yeah. it was the day after the highest scoring World Series game between the Blue Jays and the Phillies. It was 15 to 14, <laughs> so it was Thursday, October 21st, 1993.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah, the Blue Jays Phillies game. I remember yeah. that.
3: Yeah, I remember when the Blue Jays won. Yeah by one by one
0: run run one scoring like, run and that the whole game was like four hours and 14 minutes yeah long, it was a long
3: one yeah that, we remember it pretty well so yeah yeah now that you mentioned big that.
0: sports fans here <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i can't keep a straight face when you say that okay so uh, yes big sports fans let's get into our first segment hercule Yako. Hercule Yaco was written by Peter Hastings and directed by Rusty Mills and Dave Marshall. And Kelly, what could you tell us what happens in this uh, segment, this cartoon?
2: Well, Flavio and Marita are, it's, you know, the hip hippos. And Marita has lost her diamond. She has been rubbed, <laughs>
4: which
2: she says several times, and I, I just think that's hysterical. And she, she's she been rubbed, and she needs her diamonds.
3: That's when I realized that I had been robbed.
2: And which one are you, Rob or Ed? And so Yakko comes in, and he has a little uh, monocle, and he's Hercule Yakko, which is a parody of Hercule Poirot.
0: I believe that's how I pronounce it, yeah. I've hmm. never
2: been able to pronounce that word. And uh, based on the uh, the mystery novels, and and I think there was a masterpiece theater. Yeah series based on that um so that's probably why they led with that but uh the um he's on the case and so he brings in the warner siblings to try to find where the diamond is and it's it's a cast of characters it's like chicken boo shows up and uh so many characters from other uh, series. Uh, <laughs> and they run into Pinky and the Brain, mm-hmm. who are just hikers, um, Swiss hikers on mm-hmm. holiday. And, you know, very nondescript, <laughs> not suspicious at all. Did you steal
1: a big diamond? No, we are Swiss hikers on holiday. Look at me, Brain! I'm Heidi! You're lying So they
2: keep trying to figure out where the. The diamond is. And ultimately, they find out that Marita had been sitting on it. Yes. But not until they turned the room upside down.
0: Literally. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And they got to the bottom of the case, which I think is a cute little gag.
1: (laughs) I told you I'd get to the bottom of this.
0: Well, before we go to our favorite moments, let's just go over kind of a listing of some of the cultural references in here. Because there are quite a few. Yeah, there's a lot. And as I do, just feel free to interrupt me, guys, about what you liked about those things. Etc. Uh, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, first of all, we have um, the segment takes place uh, on a boat, and uh, this is very similar to the Agatha Christie 1937 mystery "Death on the Nile," f- uh, featuring Hercule uh, Poirot. Uh, we have a <laughs> we have a, a detective that comes in. It's a Peter Falk uh, kind of character, like Columbo, basically mm-hmm. right there. I, go, I just have one more question.
1: You are in luck, Mademoiselle Adam. For on board this very ship is the greatest detective of all time. You mean? Uh, just one more question.
0: There's one thing I really found from uh, seeing Maurice Lamarche on uh, at uh, Phoenix Comic Con was that he really likes doing his Peter Falk impression, <laughs> and uh, and he he has. If you ever see Maurice LaMarche do his Peter Falk impression, he not only does a very good voice, but his facial expression changes as well. Uh, Peter Falk had, I believe, he had like a a glass eye. So he kind of every now and then had this kind of like awkward kind of stare and kind of crooked kind of look to him every now and then. Hmm. And uh, Maurice LaMarche is able to keep one eye looking one way and another eye looking the other way (laughs) when he says it. It's really it's really funny. So uh, we have a Peter Falk reference Columbo. I never watched Columbo. I don't know about you, Kelly, but I remember Peter Falk, number one with Princess Bride, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. I I never watched Columbo, but I I do remember like seeing commercials for it and things.
0: Yeah. As you wish. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we have the, the, uh, well, Yakko is, uh, of course, uh, Hercule Perot, but then he also has his, uh, brother and sister, uh, Dot and, uh, Wacko with him. Uh, Dot is number one sister, which is a parody, uh, or at least a takeoff of uh, the detective uh, Charlie Chan would have uh, number one son. Hmm. Charlie Chan was like a kind of a the it's totally not politically correct at all. <laughs> uh, Chinese, I believe detective yeah chinese american uh, or doing or something. yeah doing a doing a he'd solve a case and he would have his son as his kind of dr watson kind of character
1: then using the sacrificial knife was to throw everyone off the track right pop
4: yes others beside native have motive
1: all we have to do then is to find out where the knife came from why this is the simplest case i ever worked on
4: <laughs> you know captain gonzalez as detective number one son a very excellent airplane pilot finding where sacrificial knife came from, anything but simple. And uh, Wacko
0: was uh, Dr. Doctor Wacko. So, of course, that is Dr. Watson from Sherlock Holmes right there. So it reminded me, actually, the only detective movie that I really paid much attention to growing up was a movie called uh, Murder by Death, which had Peter Falk in it. And it had, uh, and he was playing kind of a Sam Spade-ish kind of, Character from, uh, very similar to Casablanca, or I'm not, uh, Sam Spade from Casablanca, Sam Spade from, uh, uh, the Maltese Falcon. They would have various other characters who are kind of takeoffs of Agatha, Agatha Christie characters, including Charlie Chan and stuff like that. And, uh, Sir Alec Guinness is in that movie. Hmm. You remember seeing this at all, Nathan? No, it doesn't sound familiar at all. Murder by Death? It's, it's on, it was on Netflix, but. Who knows what it is right now. I mean, is there
3: any other kind of murder? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's a comedy.
0: It's a comedy, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Neil Simon's murder by
4: death. Meanwhile. A short, sinister man who looks exactly like Truman Capote is preparing a diabolical weekend for the greatest detectives in the world. Sidney Wang. Don't I think, Pop, perfect place for a murder? Conversation uh, like a television set on honeymoon. <laughs> Unnecessary. As we join them... Our five clue persons and their faithful companions are trapped in a mysterious old mansion where a fiendishly ingenious crime is about to take place.
1: The victim is here at this very table at this very moment. And so, too, ladies and gentlemen, is the murderer. His most stupid theory I ever heard. One of us is a mad killer, not to be trusted. I hope he knows how to stop that thing. Gunshots, monsieur. Gunshots, pop. Gunshots, sir. Gunshots, Dickie. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I like it, but do not understand it. That can only mean one thing. And I don't know what it is. It means are these five monumental minds any match for murder by death?
0: Check it out. Murder by death if you are so inclined. So anyway, the background music, there's some background music of Yankee Doodle that plays, they go into the state room, which I kind of I think was kind of funny that it was, there was a United States of America uh, map on the door. Slappy is in this. She talks about Wally Gator.
1: Have you seen anything strange? I saw Wally Gator slam dance with a Smurf. That's strange enough for you?
0: Didn't watch much of Wally Gator yeah. uh, when I was a kid. I think at this time, I think I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I'm pretty sure Hanna Barbera, which was uh, uh, was bought out by Warner Brothers, so that's perhaps why they are able to have Slappy continually reference uh, Hanna Barbera characters. Minerva Mink makes her first appearance in this one. Yeah, Kelly had mentioned uh, Pinky in the Brain, and uh, (laughs) Pinky says he's Heidi, which is hey, hey, another book reference. Why not? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, this, usually with the Animaniacs, we're talking about the, the Marx Brothers references, and they're somewhat, they're, they're not explicit, right? Yeah. They're kind of like, well, if you knew it, then, you know, you know, this is a takeoff. Of, like a wink, wink, nod. Which this time of... they said, oh, I get it. It's a night of the opera gag when everyone falls out. And they even have kind of a Groucho Marxish kind of character in it. So mm-hmm. that was cool right there. <laughs>
1: that
0: night at the opera bit, funny bit. <laughs> that, so, those are references right there. Kind of, you know, just a stream of them. Guys, what do you think? What are your, some of your favorite moments? Wait.
1: Number one sister, Dust for Prince.
0: I forgot one reference. When you check out Animaniac's references, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when he talks about the things that we saw when we were little kids that we totally didn't see we didn't recognize there's the fingerprints line now without getting too much into what that meaning is because I'm sure we have some kids listening did this go over your head as a kid did you even realize that this was what they were talking about Uh, Kelly I'll start with you because you're older did you have any idea that they were talking about that
2: I, I, I can't remember honestly like when I first saw the episode um, if I knew remotely what it was referring to or not, um, yeah. I, I just can't remember what my, my level of <laughs> knowledge of who <laughs> yeah. was at that age. Uh, cause I, I, yeah, I, um, I don't know. It, it, it probably wasn't something that I immediately was like, oh yeah, I get what they're saying. Yeah. Because a lot of stuff, um. Not that it was uh, terribly mature humor or anything, but a lot of the stuff that – the references and things were just aimed towards older people. Yeah. And and I just didn't get until later or until some of it was even pointed out to me online and things like that.
0: Yeah. I. I and the funny thing is because the main thing – the main joke is no, no, finger – like she shows Prince and like most mm-hmm. kids would know who Prince is and no, fingerprints –
1: No, no, no,
0: fingerprints. I don't think so. It's that line that Dot has of "I don't think so." That and the smile that Prince gives her, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, particularly disturbing. Um, but yes, it's on every reference guide. Mm-hmm. I, when I, I don't know about you, Nathan, when I first saw the reference guide and I saw that on something a few years ago. I thought, I thought to myself, well, that has, that can't be right. Yeah. Like they, they wouldn't have, would have said that, but somehow they got that past the censors at that time. And, um, I think I've, I've heard it talked about by some of the voice actors that, um, they don't really know how that got past the censors well, either. Cause it's just, they're just fingerprints, yeah, you know,
3: I don't get it. And then, or maybe you put uh Prince in a lineup and you finger him
0: right oh yeah oh you're 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 like pointing at him yeah you you have to you have to make sure you're you're you put someone in a a lineup of right suspects right
3: yeah sure
0: anyway (laughs) yeah so there we go that's perhaps the most infamous uh reference right there there everybody we got that out of the way (laughs) yay So let's go ahead and move on to what your favorite moments were of this cartoon. Nathan, let's start with you. What are some of your moments you really liked? I really liked when they got the dogs out and like smell this and
3: they're going to trace down that smell. So they run out around the whole boat and then they come right back and then they go right back to the handkerchief that they're tracking down.
0: (laughs) Basically tracking down that handkerchief. They did it. Yep, exactly. They found it. (laughs) And uh, Kelly, what about you?
2: Well, I already mentioned it, but I really like the Pinky and the Brain cameo.
0: I also am innocent.
2: Um, I may have done it.
1: I walk in my sleep, you know.
0: <laughs> I was surprised to see Minerva Mink in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I she This was her first introduction, and it, I thought it was kind of cute that she, what did she like? The diamond. That's what she goes crazy oh, over. Yeah, yeah. and um, then Dot's the strong one, and yes <laughs> until she sees the strong man or whatever yeah exactly um it's kind of cute i'm not the hugest fan of minerva mink uh partly i think just because of what internet culture has done to that character for the horrible things um so i don't know but i was watching the episode with my wife and she goes who's that character and i said that's minerva mink and she goes i like her <laughs> so i don't know it, it to me, I'm not. A, I've never been a huge fan of Minerva, but I know there's obviously a big fan base for her. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, nope. there is. There, there is. Don't look up Google images of Minerva Bank. Whatever you I do, you. don't do it, nope. Kelly. Don't do it. Boys, no control. I I really like this one. Even the uh, really pretty darn zany i mean even like mm-hmm. yakko like taking all the clues and just sucking up everything from the entire room and putting it in the bag and um really i don't know i can't really think of one particular moment for me because almost every moment in this cartoon was a good moment
3: yeah it was very like i liked how quick yakko was he was very
0: kind of marxish you in, in his quick yeah, responses Marx, yeah uh Quick, give me all your, your goods and jewelry. Yes, I mean. that seems like a Groucho Marx kind of line.
1: <gasps> Quick, everyone, give me your wallets, your money, your valuables. Do you think it's the thief? No, I think it's the pizza.
3: And of course, that's Chicken Boo.
0: Yes. So. <laughs> um, a good good cartoon. Yeah, I liked it a lot. All right, well, let's move on to our second cartoon of this episode, which is Home on Denial. Home on Denial was written by Stephen Hibbert and directed by Rusty Mills. Nathan, what can you tell us about this Rita and Runt cartoon? Well, uh, we get a little
3: theme song right before uh, Rita and Runt come out. Mm Mm-hmm. Um and then uh they're in the Egyptian uh desert basically and they uh are looking for a new home. Uh they feel like they found Sonny and Cher's place, basically. Well, Sonny Bono's Sonny's, Yeah, Sonny Bono's house. Uh turns out to be Cleopatra's place. Uh they end up worshiping uh the uh, Rita. Rita, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> they so uh end up worshipping Rita and Runt has to just make pyramids, or a, not even a pyramid. But uh, it turns out that they're gonna end up killing Rita by throwing her into a, a fire, basically sacrificing her. Yes. Um, but Runt saves her at the last second, and they get run away home safe.
0: I think basically. that this is actually kind of true. That they actually did sacrifice cats. Uh, the the Egyptians did. I'm pretty sure they did. Like they. I, I seem to remember, and again, this is a few years ago when I taught sixth grade social studies at my school. We have to watch all these different videos. They would actually—they found like a mummified cat area where you could actually go. You could sacrifice uh, to the. Oh, Kelly, do you know the cat god? Was it? It was an Anubis, was it? I want to say Anubis. Oh uh,
2: well, I'm just I'm just now googling. <laughs>
4: googling.
2: Uh-huh. So apparently. Um, The uh, Egyptians did offer cats as sacrifices to the goddess Bastet.
0: Ah, there we go. Anubis is the is the
2: to to Google.
0: Yes, okay. Anubis is like the dog guy, I think, or something. Or
2: or Bast. It's spelled it's differently in um, a couple different places, but Bast or Bastet. um, That's it. Was a goddess with the body of a woman and the head of a cat.
0: Oh, there we go. Let's talk about this uh, intro segment right here.
1: Costello, like Sonny and Cher, like Martin and Lewis, they're a perfect player. Like Laurel and Harvey, like Fontaine and Lunz, they're perfectly
0: mismatched, they're Rita and Runz. In the intro song, which I really liked, it had a good beat to it. Mm-hmm. Um we have uh Abbott and Costello doing the who's on first, what's on second kind of thing. Uh Sonny and Cher, well they're looking for Sonny Bono's house. Uh, in this cartoon, uh, of course, he was, I believe, at one point the mayor of Palm Springs, California. Uh, Nathan, we've been to Palm Springs once or twice. I think I didn't we see located, Sunny there. Did not see Sunny at the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have you ever been to Palm Springs, Kelly? In California. No. It's a it's a it definitely is a desert place. I don't understand why people would want to live there. It's, it's like a lot of rich people live there, and it's not any place. It's like you're in the middle of a hot desert. I don't know why you would want to live there. Anyway, so that's Palm Springs. Uh, Martin and Lewis, uh, which, of course, was Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Uh, And uh, then we have Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy, one of their classic uh, shorts is The Music Box, where they're trying to carry up a a piano uh, up this flight of stairs that goes on forever. Uh, to a house, and it continually falls down multiple times. Uh, it's a it's a great, it's one of their best shorts. Um, I love that. So, if you have a moment, everybody, watch uh, Laurel and Hardy, the music box, for some good Laurel and Hardy stuff. But then they end with <laughs> Fontaine and Lunt. Kelly, did you have any idea who Fontaine and Lunt were? Or are? No. <laughs> I had to look them up because I had no idea. Fontaine and Lunt were a husband and wife pair from the 1930s. And they were more of a pair that you would see on stage, like on Broadway and, and the live theater. And they did make one movie called The Guardsmen that I saw the trailer for which is like a husband thinks that his wife is cheating on him so he dresses up like someone else to see if uh, she would cheat on you know him with this other person <laughs> with himself it's this whole yeah it's 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 a comedy kind of romantic comedy kind of thing um but yeah Fontaine and Lunt I had no idea who they were but yes they were a husband wife pair back in the 1930s so there you go i just thought that was the Interesting that they had to put them in But what else rhymes with runt If you're going to That's true. <laughs> Well this cartoon Really focuses on number one references Is the movie Cleopatra With uh, Elizabeth Taylor uh, Nathan, Kelly Have either one of you seen that movie? No
2: Yeah. Well I don't think the whole thing But I've seen clips from it
0: uh, Yeah I, I myself watched I have not seen the whole Three hour plus movie I think it is <laughs> Which is like one of those again, one of those Turner classic movies that would be like, gosh, they would just talk about. I've seen, I've seen some making ofs. I think of, of at least how they made that movie and how many extras they had to get to make it. You know, fill up the camera lens with all these, uh, you know, these widescreen vistas of Egyptians. Um, but I've never seen it. But the the two characters we have Cleopatra and Mark Antony, and the voice actors are doing. Uh, well, I guess it. Tress McNeil is kind of doing Elizabeth Taylor's voice right there, but there's a character of Richard Burton who has that kind of, I don't know. I can't even do that voice, (laughs) but it's (laughs) just insert it, (laughs) insert it here. (laughs) Boom.
1: My flower of the desert, my reason for continuing to breathe. There is not a single pussycat in all of Egypt that you like. What can I do?
0: That's what he sounds like in the cartoon. And this is what he sounds like in the movie.
1: Almost three years. Is it possible that you become even more beautiful? Almost three? At long? Time has passed so quickly. Your necklace seems to be made of gold coins. Coins of Caesar. Do you find it attractive? Very. And I find what you're wearing most becoming. Greek, isn't it? I have a fondness for almost all Greek things. As an almost all Greek thing, I'm flattered.
0: My favorite line is probably that from Mark Antony is telling everybody that he's going to spank them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they all run away.
1: Mark Antony, do something! I should spank you all!
0: And there's a Tiny Toons uh, rev- cameo. cameo in here. Mm-hmm. We have Furball mm-hmm. that came
1: in. How about this one, my darling Cleopatra? What a cluck you are! That's the worst cat of all! <laughs> Remember
0: watching that? My wife was watching it with me, going, "Who's that?" Oh, <laughs> it's the worst of them all. It's the worst <laughs> one yet. Uh, we, and this was kind of obscure. The in in the cartoon, uh, she says,
1: "Sing me a little songy. Hmm? Sing. Who's afraid of Cleopatra? Cleopatra, Cleopatra. Who's afraid of Cleopatra? Tra la 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 la.
5: Everybody. Ha.
0: Now, here's where it gets meta, <laughs> is that it's that is kind of a takeoff of Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, mm-hmm. but these two actors, uh, Elizabeth Taylor uh, and Richard Burton, were in the movie uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, which was a takeoff of Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. Huh. So, it all cycles back to itself. Kind of cool, huh? Uh And, uh, and I guess the, the, the one reference that we talked about before recording, Kelly, was Wayne's World, uh, which was, of course, we're not worthy when they get in front of Rita, which is kind of cool. Um, I don't know, guys. What did you think of this episode, this cartoon? It was fun. Um, I liked Runt, uh,
3: actually is very helpful in this episode, I thought.
0: Yeah. Uh, He actually, he actually saw a problem. He actually put, he actually, (laughs) Figured out the problem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
3: Before Rita did, and yeah,
0: for once I know. Before
3: the uh, the violin one, he didn't really. uh, Neither one of them figured it out. No, they just got out of there. But uh,
0: Runt did save the day in that one too. He just didn't know that he did. Exactly. So it was nice to see Runt actually like looking at the pretty. He likes the pretty pictures or whatever. He (laughs) He looks at the pictures. Um, That was cool. That was cool to see him uh, kind of figure stuff out. Um, Kelly, what about you?
2: I thought I you thought it was really neat. I, I've always been interested in, in ancient Egypt. So I just, I liked the imagery of the hieroglyphics and, uh, the, the depiction of Cleopatra and, and the fact that she did kind of look like Elizabeth Taylor a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of got that reference. And I, uh, I just thought it was, was fun. It was, you know, very different because, uh, well, I mean, I guess it was a little bit like the violin one because they're sort of in a different time period yeah, and not modern day. But uh, I just, I thought it, it was a good setting for the story. And, and uh, I, I, like you, I like the fact that Runt sort of put two and two together. It's like, oh, no, this isn't cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was, okay, Nathan and I have a theory and I think it might apply to this cartoon. Uh, in this cartoon, they're they're in ancient Egypt, but yet they're talking about wanting to go see Sonny Bono, who a, was a modern-day reference right here. Um, I, I kind of had this fun fan theory with Nathan that the Warners are not... You know, they're not puppies or dogs or cats or anything like that. They're actually Time <laughs> Lords.
2: Oh. And, and,
0: and the Warner Tower is a TARDIS. Oh. And because it's bigger on the inside. hmm And... And I think, personally, that Rita and Runt got into the water tower, were transported back to ancient time in Egypt, got out, and thought they were in Palm Springs. It makes sense, because, yeah, they were
3: saying, like, welcome to Palm Springs. Like, are you sure? Of course it's Palm Springs. And if my calculations are correct, so it's like, what are you talking Like, Yeah. It must have that, been some sort of... There has
0: to be some sort of time machine or something
3: there. Is some there is some sort
0: of time machine that happened right before they him because yes, they're very confused in this one.
2: No, I, I like the idea of the Water Tower being a, a TARDIS, and <laughs> I think this is one of those fan theories that should go viral, and people should embrace it, and give you complete and total credit
0: yes. for it. Yes.
3: Yay! So...
2: <laughs> you heard
0: it here first.
2: No, I think that's
0: That's really cool. Let's do this.
2: What is is TARDIS Stanford? It's like time and relative dimension in space?
0: Yeah, in space, yes. There you go. Very cool. Well, I know we have have some Doctor Who fans that listen to this, so I hope they appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I always like Runt when he's uh, acting just like a stupid dog. Like, he's having so much fun putting the pyramid together and Mm -hmm. he's just running up and he's hurting people and he but he doesn't know any better he's just a dumb old dog and he's uh he's doing his thing the animation was really good in this yeah like i would i almost think that you know the animation in this is almost feature uh film quality i really i really like the animation a lot in this cartoon yeah the the humans looked really good oh yeah and then of course Rita has a, a nice song in this one too, mm-hmm. uh, where she's singing and uh, like kind of a jazzy was that jazzy kind of tune. I don't know what kind of like a it was on a nightclubish kind of thing going on, I guess.
1: Oh you kid you got it made neath the Grey Pyramid.
3: Gotta say I like this lifestyle
1: talking about my home. On the Monday night, call me greedy, but give me more. Treat me like we never cheated. Build me a palace fit for Ramses too. I bet you'd rather be me than you.
0: You can tell that she feels. She feels good. She feels like I'm. You know, look at me. I'm so. I'm so hot. I'm so, you know, you know, worship me everybody. And, um, she kind of, I want to say it's kind of weird saying this because she's a cat, but kind of acting a little bit seductive. You know what I mean? Like she's kind of slinking around like, uh, in the, in the Nefertiti hat or something like that to kind of like be kind of like it's a robe or something around her body and kind of wiggling around. I'm not saying that to be (laughs) weird. I'm just saying Um, that that's the way that she's moving and kind of smiling and winking at the camera. And hey, it wasn't just me. I was watching this with my wife, and then she said, what's going on with her? Right there. So, it wasn't just me. Okay. all right. But great Bernadette Peters. I mean, I think this is one of the the better Rita songs. I think it's a... I think they've been... I think so far... In each Rita episode, the, the quality of the songs has been increasing, mm-hmm. and this is definitely one of the better ones. So, what do you guys think? Any other, any other moments? Any other things that stand up for Rita and Runt right here? No. No? All right. No? No. Well, let's go ahead and go to our last segment, which is A Midsummer Night's Dream with a special guest. Oh, boy. Okay, well, for our last segment right here, we have a very special guest. Ooh. Who is it, Nathan?
3: Well, I know her personally. Oh. I personally know her as my wife. (laughs) My wife. My wife. (laughs) Uh, That's her personal name, so (laughs) I think anyone could call her that. Well, we could also call her
0: Jordan. Jordan, that's right. So Jordan is here. esteemed, Esteemed actress. (laughs) Yes, and Jordan has been um, has performed many Shakespearean plays. Correct?
5: Yeah, yeah. I'd say a, a solid ten by now. I think. Oh,
0: and you have actually been in A Midsummer Night's Dream twice. There you go.
5: Yeah, I've performed it twice as Hippolyta and Titania. Very cool. I know. Yeah, there were excellent roles. And I, in fact, you know, if I had done it in Shakespeare's day, um, I just would have performed both of them. You know, for the entirety of the show. Whoever would have played Hippolyta would have also played Titania. Oh,
0: they just double book people like that? Yeah,
5: yeah. But for the sake of, you know, casting more people for a school show, (laughs) you got to put the kiddos in there and divide up roles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the the last segment right here, we had Dot translating for Yakko, uh, this segment here from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, and it's the it's the last speech. This is like the last words of, of Midsummer, right? Yes,
5: it is the last words of the show. All and right. it's kind of when um, the person that plays Puck kind of breaks character a little and kind of sheds that of themselves and is speaking directly to the audience.
0: OK, well, very cool. So this we're, we're seeing this right here now. Yeah. Um, Let's go over the the lines and does and just in general does Dot do a pretty good job? I mean, yeah, just... actually,
5: I was really impressed just the way that she was able to relate the words um, from the Elizabethan language to um, to to the layman, you know, to, uh-huh. to younger people and you know to people who aren't familiar with Shakespeare. So yeah, uh, she kind of derails it after a little bit um, just to make it silly, so, which is okay. So
0: Batman and Robin are not in. <laughs> I don't think Shakespeare
5: knew about Batman and Robin yet. Darn. Um, But, you know, hey he at least had robin going for him um but yeah she starts off with if we shadows have offended think but this and all is mended um puck can be played by a a boy or a girl i've seen it done both ways so Uh um so i might go i might interchange the pronouns here i apologize um but yeah if we shadows have offended think but this and all is mended it just means if we players actors um have offended you just uh just Think about what I'm about to say and all will be well. Okay. And then goes on to say that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear um, that this was just all a dream. So don't don't sweat it. And uh, goes on to say.
0: So it's uh, not. So. So the whole thing of like dot saying you just slept here on your butt. Like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly.
5: Yeah. She kind of calls it just like, hey, you know, you fell asleep. um, You had a weird dream (laughs) about fairies and changeling boys and love potions. Like, that's all, you know. And
0: you could definitely say that about some episodes of the Animaniacs, too, because they are pretty crazy, certain ones. (laughs) Oh, definitely
5: abstract. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just (laughs) going all over the place. (laughs) And let's see here. So this uh, weak and idle theme, no more yielding, but a dream. So again, just saying, like it was silly. She says, uh, I think Dot says to that that um, you know this there was a plot that you could drive a, a truck through. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think um, I, there's there's several theories about what that could be about. It could either be the fact that like Demetrius is is probably still under the love spell um <laughs> okay. while he's still in love with Helena at the end of the of the show uh-huh. um or the fact that Aegeus, Hermia's father you know proclaimed at the beginning that that she would have to die unless she married Lysander um unless you married Demetrius forgive me and um and at the end he just kind of you know gives up I mean, he does not right. fight the Duke on that at all. Yep. Um, or it could also be the fact that uh, Oberon, the king of the fairies, tells Puck that's like, yeah, you know this changeling boy that I've been fighting Titania uh, for this whole time and basically why this whole plot exists? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, she just gave it to me
1: yeah.
5: while she was, you know, getting it on with a donkey. Like, no harm, no foul. <laughs> and it just made no sense because that was, you know, their huge fight and the reason, like, why he was scheming. Okay, so
0: there Really was like, so she really is referring to plot holes, then, right?
5: Yeah, okay, for cool. sure. Okay, um, so I mean, I, I thought it was actually quite astute of Dot to okay. call that out. <laughs> cool, because they could have easily just you know let that lie. Um, and then goes on to say, let's see, gentles do not reprehend, as in audience, you know, like, uh, don't get angry, you know, don't be upset with me. And if you pardon, we will mend. Uh, if you forgive us, we'll we'll definitely make it up to you, as I am an honest puck. And I think Dot says something like, I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah. I don't understand. I didn't actually get that. <laughs> <laughs> because honest, I mean, virtuous. And I guess, some t- like, honest in uh, Elizabethan language could sometimes mean um, virginal. But I think
0: if I may be so bold, I think it's with the word puck itself. Ah. I, I think that I think that's at least how I always interpreted it. <laughs> uh it's just I'm not even gonna touch that one, like the word puck itself. That mm-hmm. that was just my my guess, but maybe I don't know.
5: Um let's see. If we have unearned luck now to scape the serpent's tongue, uh, we will make amends ere long. So if serpent, you know, the hissing from crowds like booze and whatnot. Um, And we will uh, make amends there long. So, again, it's just saying, like, you know, just uh, if we didn't earn your applause or, you know, please don't boo us or hiss at us. Because, hold on, like, we'll we'll make it up to you later. Because, you know, it was a Shakespeare company, so they were always constantly doing shows. So I'm sure they're saying, like, if you thought this show sucked, don't worry. Our next show will... (laughs) <laughs> just, <laughs> we'll just blow you away. Um, let's see. Uh, else the puck a liar calls. So good night unto you all. Um, so yeah, just, you know, you could call me a liar. Um, if we don't make it up to you, but, but he's saying like, I'm honest. Don't worry. And give me your hands as in like, let's, let's raise the roof. Let's give some applause. Uh-huh. <laughs> if we're friends and Robin shall restore amends and just kind of like wake up. Everything's okay again.
0: Okay. And so Robin will store amends. men. So when it says that, like, like the Robin, like what? No. Robin, like the bird?
5: Puck was also, was known as Robin Goodfellow okay. in a Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Yeah. So it, so you'll hear him refer, him or her refer to himself as Robin Goodfellow. Gotcha. Robin, yeah. knavish Navish Sprite, stuff like that.
0: There we go. So out of context, yeah, I could see how like Robin would, you know, which was cool to see like the, the. The old like it looked like the Michael Keaton Batmobile, Batmobile right there. <laughs> I know Nathan and I were like huge Batman animated series fans at the time. And oh, everything, for sure, so.
5: and it was a Warner Brothers show as well, yes, right? So exactly. they were able to license those rights. Oh, totally. That's awesome. I loved the Batman too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's totally cool. I mean, the Robin right there was there was no there was no Robin in the Michael Keaton movies, but oh, uh, right. yeah, but but of course he was in the animated series. And there was no Oprah mentions no,
5: in, in, unfortunately, in the Shakespearean no one? No, Oprahs. I, I don't know why I have the strangest inkling that there is an Oprah character in Shakespeare. Oh,
1: wait, wait.
5: Or am I just thinking of Ophelia?
0: Oh, that's true. Like Oprah and Ophelia?
5: <laughs> now sure. I have to go double check because I feel like I've heard Oprah before in okay. Shakespeare.
0: We'll do that. That'll, we'll, we'll do a follow-up right, right. there. But is no, Oprah and yeah. Shakespeare?
5: <laughs> yeah, but this is before the O network and all that. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if he was watching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jordan, uh, for coming in our Shakespearean. This is a true translation <laughs> uh, to fill in the gaps that uh, we had. Well, so I'm
5: very touched. So
0: thank you. But before you go, Jordan let's do a quick plug you have a podcast
5: yourself i do it's called jordan asks what's news with you uh it's a podcast where i sit down with someone new every two weeks and i ask them the same question what's news with you
0: very cool and it's uh yeah so you get to you get to hear all different types of topics of what yeah was going on oh
5: completely i mean you ask uh different people all the same question you're going to get a ton of different answers and so that's what's so exciting about it and uh so far you know nathan's been on the show Mm -hmm. and i've had a few other close friends here and there uh, and i'm hoping to expand on that so please check it out
0: all right so there you can check that out on itunes and i'm sure various other pod catchers as well
5: (laughs) yes and i'm on twitter at jordan asks WNWy, as in what's news with you
0: very cool thank you very much jordan oh
5: thanks
1: Yay! <laughs> oh, what fools these warners be!
0: Okay, well, thank you very much for Jordan, uh, guys. What do you think about Midsummer Night's Dream? Wow. Well, um,
3: yeah, it was a, a fun little educational thing. So I feel cultured.
0: So. <laughs> and Kelly, what about you?
2: Yeah, I enjoyed it. I when i first saw this episode i i hadn't read midsummer night's dream uh, or even seen a a version of it so i really didn't get all the references uh-huh. but um but i have since read the story and or play rather mm-hmm. and uh no i enjoyed it i i liked uh i love going back and and rewatching episodes that i have more uh knowledge about the subject matter and, and can understand it on a different level Mm
4: mm-hmm.
0: And
3: because I,
2: I, most kids watching this probably are like what?
0: Yeah, <laughs>
3: kind of like the
2: way I was. I I knew the the name of the play and knew it was Shakespeare, but I I didn't know anything more about it really.
0: Yeah, I didn't read *Midsummer Night's Dream* until high school, and uh, it's it's definitely my favorite Shakespeare play because it's 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 a simple enough plot for me to understand, and uh, there are some funny moments in it right there.
2: I didn't read it until college, but I read Hamlet about six times because I was an English (laughs) major. So every class I was in, it's like, let's read Hamlet. Okay, Well, good that I like it.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. But
2: that's all anyone ever wanted to teach.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. Well, we should mention one more reference right there that uh, I think uh, we had Jordan uh, talk about, which was uh, – Oh, what fools these uh, Warners be! Is even a, a reference to uh, a line earlier in a uh, Midsummer Night's Dream uh, with the uh, Lord. What fools these mortals be! Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a cool, good animation again. Or like the Hello Pixie mm-hmm. <laughs> thing. So very cute. Uh, and yeah, it felt cultured at the end. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get straight over to our water tower rating. <laughs> Right, Nathan. What do you think? Out of five water towers, how many water towers would you give this episode? Oh boy. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with
3: three and a half. I think uh, it's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed all the segments in it. So, um, I'll I'll go
0: four. I'm gonna go four. I'm changing right. my. There we go. Oops. I enjoyed them all. So, all right. And Kelly, what about you?
2: I'm going to go with three and a half. Okay. And I liked both or or all the segments, but I didn't love any of them.
0: Ah, okay. And I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to agree with Nathan. I'm going to go with a four. Um, I like this a lot. Uh, yeah, I like this cartoons a lot. And even the read and runt, I got to say the older I am, the more I appreciate read and runt. I did not like read and runt Mm. that much as a kid. Um, but, uh, I guess that's why one of the reasons they put them in because this is read and run perhaps more for the adults perhaps just because they're slower paced I guess in some ways. Like the song slows down the pace mm-hmm. a lot in these cartoons and if you're not into hearing at Peter sing I could see how like okay boring. Uh,
2: how could you not be?
0: I'm just saying I
2: grew up with Annie and I <laughs> love that movie so much and <laughs> when I saw she was in Animaniacs I'm like oh it's the lady for Annie. <laughs>
0: for for me, is okay. I'm just saying for, in general for kids. I'm not saying for okay. me. I'm just saying for in general. I could see why some kids would think. You know, it, it slows it down. Now, do it's I? Like,
2: it's like why they took that song out of the middle of the Muppet Christmas Carol.
0: Exactly.
2: Uh, it still kills me.
0: It does. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to our poll results from last week.
1: Hello there your announcer with this week's Cast poll. I am uh, currently uh, cleaning up the smoke damage uh, to my house after after an unsuccessful attempt to cook a frozen Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, From now on, I'm just making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. There's uh, less risk of a fire that way. And now on to the poll. Listeners were asked... Original Funko has released figures. Now what piece of hashtag Animaniacs merchandise do you want to see next? Hashtag Poll. 16% said action figures. Ooh, hopefully with a kung fu grip. 37% said a new video game. Hmm, maybe one that'll work in my Commodore 64. But it was 47% of the people who said they would love to see more plush dolls. Something to hold at night to keep me company. Oh, that would be nice. So with that, that's the winner. And now it's off to the studio with this week's poll. Oh, such a mess. Yeesh.
0: Okay, so those were our poll results hmm. right there and uh let's go ahead and talk about it what do we think guys what animaniacs merchandise would you like to see the most i voted for a video game <laughs> <laughs> why video game Nathan?
3: i don't know i just get to play it and i could play with friends that way maybe or at least play with myself and just <laughs> there
0: is <laughs> it you know, I get to I get to be immerse myself into the experience of the Animaniacs. Well eventually Nathan and I are gonna have to sit down and actually play some of these Animaniacs video games for some special episodes and uh kinda of discuss them. So we have a uh, oh yes, Nathan just pulled out the great Edgar Hunt yeah, on GameCube. It's in my hand right now. So we're gonna have to play that one of these days. And of course there's some Sega Genesis games and Super Nintendo as well. And maybe even if we're lucky enough we might be able to find a a Game Boy game or something like that, too. Who knows? We'll keep our eyes open, ladies and gentlemen, but we'll look forward to that at some point. So, video game for Nathan. Kelly, what about you?
2: Plushies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why do you like plushies?
2: Well, I remember when Animaniacs, <laughs> Animaniacs was really <laughs> popular. <laughs> um, a friend of mine liked the show as well and really wanted a plush Yakko, uh, a Yakko plush. Uh-huh. And, So I bought one, but then I never ended up sending it to my friend (laughs) because I was a horrible person. And then we sort of lost touch. And so I was stuck with this Yakko push. And, like, I, you know, I was going to get rid of a bunch of stuff when I went away to college. And I don't know. I guess I gave it to somebody else or or got rid of it. I don't know. But I don't have it anymore. And sometimes I think about that. Like, I wish I still had that Yakko push. Because that would be really cool to have now. Yeah. So, and I, I've actually gone on eBay recently just to see if I could find any of the plushies of the Animaniacs. And when you can find them, they're ridiculously expensive.
0: Yeah. I know. And... I was lucky to find mine for like $8 at a used bookstore, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. My, 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 you know, some people ask me online, like, I want to get a plush doll, but I, I don't want to pay too much. What do I do? And my only theory is maybe if you go to uh, cities that used to have a Warner Brothers store in town Mm. and check out some of the, uh, you know, Goodwill places and stuff like that, then I think your chances are a little higher. Um, Perhaps now the quality of what they look like, I don't know, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think at least your chances are a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, we're going to make it a split vote because I'm going to say action figure kind of stuff. Cause I would love to see Yakko, Wakko, and Dot in kind of a three and three quarter style so I can put them next to my Star Wars figures <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the six inch kind of, uh, scale so I can put them next to the, the six inch block series figures. Okay. So there you go. It's all good, but we do need something. I think, right. We need some more Animaniacs. So get on an investors. Yes. Yeah, stuff. We'll buy it all. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get over to our poll question for this week. So, we have just had our fourth Rita and Runt cartoon. Whoa. Oh, yes, already. <laughs> so, of course, whenever we get to the fourth of one of these cartoons, we like to ask you, which of these is your favorite Rita and Runt cartoon? So, it's When Rita Met Runt, Le Miserables. Animals, the cat and the fiddle or today's episode of home on denial. Um, and if you don't believe that question, you're in denial. (laughs) Oh, jungle cruise, jungle Jungle cruise. Yep. I was about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That is our question. Head on over to twitter.com slash or just simply search on Twitter for hashtag animani poll. And you should be able to find that poll and make your voice heard. Uh, now let's go ahead and get over to contact information last week we started with kelly so i'm going to go over to nathan this time how do people get in contact with you say hi nathan
3: joey i'm on twitter cool i'm a a, a Django fit (laughs) Django ft that is moi (laughs) very
0: cool and kelly how about you
2: i am also on twitter at yodaprincess y-o-d-a-p-r-n-c-s-s and you can email me at kelly at bigshinyrobot.com
0: Very cool. And of course uh, if you want to get in contact with the cast, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. We're also on email. Good old fashioned email which is animaniacast at retrozap.com And speaking of retrozap.com you can head on over to retrozap.com to see a full listing of a bunch of different great fantastic podcasts that you should listen to too. Uh, as well as lots of articles for your reading pleasure. Uh, speaking of a retrocast, uh, Retro Zap podcast network, you can actually subscribe to the Retro Zap podcast feed, and then you will get every single Retro Zap podcast delivered straight to your device. So cool, and uh, it'll keep you busy for the week for all the different podcasts you can listen to. So there you go. And Nathan is Snapchatting me right now. That's right. I'm on Snapchat too. I don't know my username. All right. So there we go. So with that, we'll wrap it up for episode 25 of the cast, And this is Joey saying goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Goodnight.
3: Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. With Alice Cooper. We're
1: not worthy. We're not worthy. We're, We're not, not, worthy. not worthy. We're, We're not stuck. We suck. We are
4: not worthy. We're, We're not, worthy. not worthy.
3: Not bad behavior for humans.